I look out my window. I'm kind of surprised that the sun came up again. <laughs> like, how long has it been doing this? It's, it's got to be getting old. But every day we get a new day. Welcome to Book Therapy. I'm your host, Kim Patton. There's no way to count how many books are floating around in this world. Some are decent, some are truly terrible, and some are great. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into one great book. Together, we will discover gems of truth and encouragement to help you face your current season of life. I'm ready. You're ready. Let's get this party started. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Book Therapy Podcast. Before we jump in, I just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who has reached out to me, sent me pictures, tagged me online, texted me, called me, Marco Poloed me, voxed me, blah, 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 all the things um, to talk about the book. Nothing Wasted, Struggling Well Through Difficult Seasons is just a few weeks old and I am already feeling so, so, so relieved and grateful that people are experiencing the stories that I spent years working on. If you haven't gotten a copy of the book, you can go to my website, kimpatton.com, and you can order a signed copy and I'll mail it to you. Or it's available on Amazon as a paperback or ebook. All right, let's get to the show. Let's dive into the book. Today we have a very interesting book. It is called Liturgy of the Ordinary by Tish Harrison Warren. The front cover has a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on it. And to be honest, that kind of turned me off from reading the book for a while. I wanted to read it because I had heard good things about it. And obviously the title, Liturgy of the Ordinary, makes me think that this woman is going to help me with the ordinary moments of our days. And I was right. I just had to get past the peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) Tish Harrison Warren is actually a priest. She's She's a priest in the Anglican Church. And she's a mom of three kids. And she's truly a phenomenal writer. She kind of mixes theology, poetry, ordinary life, and liturgy and practices, sacred practices of the church. While reading this book, I really did enjoy how she brought her perspective into ordinary things about our lives. Some of the chapter titles are Waking, Making the Bed, Brushing Teeth losing keys, eating leftovers, fighting with my husband, checking email, so on, so on. But then the subtitles are all very like sacred, like baptism and ritual and bowing and confession, sacrament, passing the peace, blessing and sending, all of these things that very much speak to what a priest might talk about. Maybe the ordinary is the peanut butter and the religious and sacred things are the jelly and so (laughs) this book is just a combination of those two things i didn't get that from her that's that's just speculation so it might not be true it probably is just a peanut butter and jelly sandwich we'll talk about three things that everyone deals with the first thing we see is ordinary days of course she talks about food because when we're talking about the ordinary food is one of the most she says, necessary and forgettable things about our life. I like that phrase, necessary and forgettable. I'm not really a foodie, but I do love eating with people. I think food and fellowship together is like a beautiful combination. One of my favorite things about being a mom is sitting down with my family and eating. 
And there is like a blissful like one minute at the beginning <laughs> where I just look around and I'm like, yes, this is this is what I love. This is what I wanted to be together with my family eating and talking. However, that doesn't always last very long. I love how she brings a leftover meal to this chapter as a little boring and even warmed over again and again, but it's nourishment and it's what God has provided for her that day. And she chooses to see the beauty in that. My favorite phrase from this chapter is when she says, how should we respond when we find the word perplexing or dry or boring or unappealing? We keep eating, we receive nourishment, we keep listening and learning and taking our daily bread. We wait on God to give us what we need to sustain us one more day. The concept of our daily bread is so simple, but it has really helped me get through some hard times. I don't have to get through the week. I don't have to get through the month or the year. God gives us what we need for the day. I always go back to Lamentations where it says that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. I've never felt that more than when I'm going through hard times. I look out my window. I'm kind of surprised that the sun came up again. <laughs> like, how long has it been doing this? It's, it's got to be getting old. But every day we get a new day. It's a really precious gift to see a fresh slate and feel like we can have just a little bit more strength. He provides what we need every day. And we don't get double... <laughs> often. I wish we just get that daily bread. Near the end of the book, she tells a story. She's remembering a time when the she says the rigors of motherhood, ministry, and simply being a grown-up in a broken world had hollowed me out. She was brittle, irritable, undernourished, and overextended. And what she did is she made space for one hour of pure enjoyment every day, and she read a book. She felt God speaking to her through the scenes in the book. She said, God met me, wrecked me, really, through that novel in a way that I can only describe as mystical. One of the most intense healing experiences of my life came as a total surprise after I simply made space to enjoy something for the sake of it. In our days, we choose how to spend our time. She knew that in this season of her life, she needed to carve out some time for herself to do something that she didn't normally think she had time to do. And in her days, she found that that one hour provided a healing experience that she wouldn't have found otherwise. Of course, I'm a big fan of books. Surprise, surprise. But why? Because of stories like this. There are times when our bodies don't know what we need. Our hearts don't know what we need. And a good show or a good movie or a good book really can capture our imagination or put words to something that we haven't been able to put words to. Next, we have ordinary work. She kind of balances out this idea of works and worship and how they flow together and also are separate things. On page 20, she says, and before we begin the liturgies of our day, the cooking, sitting in traffic, emailing, accomplishing, working, resting, we begin beloved. My works and worship don't earn a thing. Instead, they flow from God's love, gift, and work on my behalf. I am not primarily defined by my abilities or marital status or how I vote or my successes or failures or fame or obscurity, but as one who is sealed in the Holy Spirit, hidden in Christ, and beloved by the Father. My naked self is one who is baptized. 
This is a really important truth to establish in our lives. It has meant a lot to me because it separates my worth from my work and my worship. I can define myself by what I achieve or what I do, but it's healthier for me, like she says, to begin beloved. God's grace and his love it meets us before we even do anything for him that day. She talks about making her bed and spending time with God, you know, before the day starts. And I can kind of relate to this. I'm not a huge fan of making the bed. <laughs> yes, I know there's a whole book written on make your bed in the morning. She used it as an example of creating order out of chaos. It was a point of surrender for her to give God the day, to give God her ambition and her worries and let him do all the hard work, basically, and take herself out of the equation. She says she'd pray the words of the morning office. Open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth shall declare your praise. We'll get back to this because the morning office is a type of specific prayer. And it comes from the Book of Common Prayer, which is very scriptural based. Third, we have ordinary friendships. On page 33, she brings up this study from the University of Virginia that kind of freaked me out. It says, study participants were exposed to a mild shock, which they all reported they didn't like and would pay money not to undergo again. But when left alone in an empty room with a shocker button for up to 15 minutes, removed from all distractions, two-thirds of men and one-fourth of women in the study chose to voluntarily shock themselves rather than sit in silence. Dr. Tim Wilson, who helped conduct the study, said, the mind is so prone to want to engage with the world, it will take any opportunity to do so. I am telling you right now, I would probably click the shocker button. <laughs> because I am so prone to want to engage with the world. He was, I think, making a point about our phones and how we want to engage in, with the world and we use our phones to do that. Even when they harm us, like even if it's something that's not good for us, we just can't resist the temptation. To me, this speaks about our need for relationships and community and probably less cell phone use. But honestly, it is addictive for many people and we all kind of know that. She goes back on this page to talk about making the bed every day and how it annoys her that it has to be done over and over again. The whole theme of the book is really the things that we do over and over again, the ordinary things in our lives. We have that repetition and that predictability. We have repetitive and slow rhythms. She wants to help us get more comfortable with those things being grounding and helpful to a meaningful life. In talking about friendship, we do sometimes have a hard time connecting with other people who drive us crazy or make us mad or we don't agree with them etc etc here's what she says on page 54 when the day is lovely and sunny and everything is going according to plan i can look like a pretty good person but little things gone wrong and interrupted plans reveal who i really am my cracks show and i see that i am profoundly in need of grace but here's the thing pretty good people do not need jesus he came for the lost he came for the broken in his love for us he came to usher us into his foundness and wholeness when we spend any amount of time with people they're gonna see some difficult sides of us and I in my opinion being vulnerable is better than being lonely 
But I'm not going to lie, there are some times where being vulnerable and open with people has cost me some deep pain. Relationships are difficult, but they're worth it. She talks about her friend Rebecca, and she calls their relationship a call and response. This is really cool because we're all busy, and she kind of brings this friendship to light between her and Rebecca, that they don't always get each other on the phone, or they don't always... They're not both free at the same time, but this call and response is a rhythm for them and their friendship is built on this, hey, I'm here for you. Hey, I need you. Hey, let me listen. She says on page 119, we have a relationship of call and response with all believers the world over and throughout time. Beautifully and mysteriously, the community Rebecca and I share is not simply with each other. It is with all of the church. We are in this together. To wrap this up, I just want to talk a little bit about the Book of Common Prayer. This was a new thing for me, and while I was reading this book, I was curious about the Book of Common Prayer, so I got it from the library. It's big. It kind of looks like a hymnal, and half of it is just the Book of Psalms. (laughs) I think they call it something fancy, like the Psaltery or something. I don't know. But um, The first half is really cool. I think this book of common prayer is used in maybe Catholic gatherings or I'm probably not entirely accurate on what the book of common prayer is, but in researching, I did see that it was just used in different denominations. Obviously, it's used in her Anglican church because she talks about it a lot. What I loved about it is that it gives you prayers that are based in scripture And there's all kinds of prayers for specific events. And they're written really beautifully. I've never been a part of a church with a strict liturgy or even parts of the worship that are call and response. There's been an occasion where there's a call and response of like they say a scripture and then you repeat it back, which I thought was cool. But when I hear other people talk about their churches that are more liturgical, I'm like, I've never really experienced that. So I enjoyed leafing through the Book of Common Prayer. I think that it's really cool to see communities come together and say one thing. Church to me is a very healing place because I go there to be reminded of the truths of my life, what I believe. And having everyone in the congregation kind of say the same thing together helps make me feel like we are in this together and this is what we believe and we're not going to give up. Thank you for listening to another episode of Book Therapy. Once again, today we talked about Liturgy of the Ordinary by Tish Harrison Warren. I definitely recommend this author because she has a newer book out, Prayer in the Night. I haven't read it yet, but I've heard great things about it. And it kind of covers more grief and sorrow and questioning. And it's written for those who are up in the night feeling some really deep and heavy things. I'm sure it's been really helpful to a lot of people and I would love to check it out. All right, see you next time.